It was April 1st, 1854. The sun is just starting to rise, and in the glimmer of light, a tiny four-foot girl slowly climbs up two ladders to the top of the bell tower. She's dressed in a nightdress and carrying her bedsheet. As she reaches the top of the bell tower, she takes her bedsheet and wraps it around the bell clapper. She stands back and admires her work with a giggle, then climbs back down the two ladders, runs across the lawn, and climbs through window back into her room. She tiptoes past her roommate, Carrie Ann, and then climbs back into bed with a giggle. Welcome back to the Church History Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lee Siemens, and this is episode three in our four-part series on four women that changed the way mission work was done. Today, we're talking about the third woman in our series, Lottie Moon. Before we start today's episode, a little reminder that this episode is brought to you by Alexander Henry Coffee. If you want some great coffee, check it out. My husband roasts the coffee, and let me tell you, our home smells amazing. You should try out the Jackknife. It's a medium roast from Mexico. You're going to love it. Trust me. And now for our story. Charlotte Diggs Moon was born December 12, 1840 in Virginia. Her parents were Anna Marie and Edward Harris Moon, and they were extremely wealthy. They owned a tobacco plantation. They had seven children, five girls and two boys. The family were very strict Southern Baptists. They made sure their children knew the Bible. But even more important, they wanted to make sure their children were very well educated, especially their daughters. They wanted to make sure their daughters had all the opportunities that many girls did not have. Charlotte Dig Moons was a very happy and hyper little girl. Her family gave her the nickname Lottie, and she grew, she became known as Lottie D. Moon. When Lottie was only 13 years old, her father was killed in a riverboat accident. The loss of her father greatly impacted the family. Lottie was sent to finish her education at the Baptist Virginia Female Seminary High School. The school was very strict. The schedule was run by the bell in the tower. 6 a.m. was the first bell, awoke the girls up. Then there was breakfast, class, cleaning schedule, chapel, and more classes. Lottie loved learning, but she did not enjoy this school. She missed her life on the plantation, and she missed her father. A year later, it was Lottie who climbed the bell tower to cover the clapper of the bell, and the bell didn't ring that morning, and it was a little victory for Lottie. The thing that Lottie hated the most was chapel. The more she attended chapel, the more she hated God. She hated people who believed in God. Lottie was very smart, and she was way too smart to believe in old-fashioned things like God. One day, one of her friends asked her what the D stands for. In her name, Lottie D. Moon. She laughed at her friend and said, Devil, because I am the devil. Lottie graduated the top of her class, but she never grew more than four feet. She was a tiny ball of fire. 
She left the Baptist school and she went to university. She studied Latin, Greek, French, and Italian. In university, she took her atheism to the next level. Her favorite pastime was mocking Christians and any student that believed in Christ. On the campus of her university was a man named John Brodus. He was hosting Bible studies, prayer meetings, and revival services. Lottie decided that she would visit his services so she could get some material for her mockery. She entered the chapel, settled into the pew, and got ready to prepare herself for the stupidity she was sure to hear. She had heard it all before. But the truth was, she'd never actually let herself hear the message. And that day, for some reason, she heard the words. They weren't funny, and she had this thought. What if all of this is real? That night, she was trying to sleep, and outside her bedroom door was a dog that was barking nonstop. Would not be quiet. It kept her up all night. And as it kept her up, she could only think of the things she heard John Brodus preach. The next morning, she decided she would get up and visit the morning prayer service. She walked into the room, planning on sneaking into the back quietly. But as she entered, there was a gasp from a few people in the prayer meeting. And Lottie could tell instantly that everyone was looking at her. She learned the group had held a private prayer meeting just to pray for Lottie. She was known on campus as the biggest atheist, and they were praying for her. They had actually stayed up all night praying for her. They prayed all night while that dog barked and kept her up. Lottie left the prayer meeting and could not stop thinking about what had happened. That evening, she went back to the Bible study to hear John Brodus preach. And at the end of the service, when John asked those who wanted to receive Christ to come forward, the crowd was shocked to see Lottie D. Moon walk to the front. She wasn't coming to mock the church, but to give her heart to Christ. There was an instant change in her life. She was still a little firecracker, but now she was a firecracker for Christ. In 1861, Lottie D. Moon became one of the first women to receive a Master's of Arts degree. She was one of the most educated people in all of America, and she was a woman. That was very uncommon in the 1800s. Lottie's sister was also very educated, and she was a doctor. Also very uncommon for women in the 1800s. Lottie had graduated with a master's. Her sister was a doctor. Things were going really well. But then, civil war broke out. The Moon Plantation was in the South, and that placed them on the Confederate side. Lottie's sister went to the battlefield to help injured soldiers, and Lottie returned to her family plantation to help her mother, who was all alone. The Civil War ended in 1865. In the four years of the war, 620,000 people died. If you took the American deaths from the Revolutionary War, War of 1812, the Mexican War, the Spanish War, World War I and II, and the Korean War, and added the number of American deaths altogether, 
that would be around the number of people killed in just those four years of the Civil War. We have to remember and picture the country because as that war ended, a country was left in shambles. In past episodes, we've talked about slavery in America. But right now, I want you to think about all of the regular citizens that were in America at that time. Everywhere, there was an atmosphere of sadness, grief, and despair. Lottie and her family used this time to pray for a revival. They prayed that God would heal their nation and send a revival. One day in church, Lottie's pastor was reading Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 and 38. And he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Lottie bowed her head and began to pray, God, please send people to the harvest. We need a revival. Please send preachers. And she heard an audible voice say, What about you? You can go. She lifted her head to look around to see who was talking to her. But everyone was looking at the preacher. No one else had heard the voice. And then she heard the voice again. This time, it said one word. China. What a strange thing to hear. The preacher, who had held the Bible studies in our college days, John Brodus, founded the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and the Southern Baptist Convention was sending out missionaries, but they were only sending men to the field, or couples, but single women were not allowed to go to the mission field. Lottie's little sister felt she should go to China. She applied to the Southern Baptist Convention, and they changed the rules and allowed her to leave for China as a missionary. Lottie was working at the time as a teacher, but a year later, in 1873, 32-year-old Lottie also left for China for a missionary under the Southern Baptist Convention. She arrived in China and worked with her sister teaching in an all-boys school. She was not met with respect. The Chinese people called her a foreign devil. Someone saw her eating pickles and spread the rumor that she was eating children's eyeballs. Somebody else saw her drinking raspberry juice and spread the rumor she was drinking children's blood. It was kind of ironic, since when she was the age of the students she was teaching, she had called herself a devil, and would have loved those rumors. Now, in her 30s, she was trying to reach people for Christ, and the nickname and the rumors were not helpful. Then Lottie's sister became ill and had to return to America. Lottie moved to an area called Little Crossroads, and became friends with two missionary women, Sally and Martha. We talked about them in our last two episodes. Sally and Martha became mentors to Lottie. Sally and Lottie became close, and Sally became her main mentor. Lottie had been writing a friend of hers named Crawford Howell Toy. He was a theologian. They enjoyed writing each other and sharing their ideas about theology. Crawford asked Lottie to marry him, and they began to plan their wedding. Crawford was a teacher at Harvard University. He began to think about the theory of Darwin. 
And he stopped believing in creation and began to believe in evolution. He soon started talking about other things in the Bible he didn't believe anymore. Soon, he was throwing out all of the Old Testament. Lottie began to realize that her life and Crawford's life were going in very different directions, and she had to end her relationship with him. So, her sister was gone. She broke up with her boyfriend. The Chinese people thought she was a devil who ate children's eyeballs and drank their blood. Things were not going great. One day, Lottie came up with an idea. She went into the kitchen and baked a batch of cookies. Then she took the cookies and walked out onto her balcony. The smell of freshly baked cookies floated into the air. Children playing nearby ran over to see what the smell was. Cookies! They were probably poisonous cookies. Lottie picked up a cookie and took a bite and smiled at the children. If she can eat them, there's probably nothing wrong with them. The kids each grabbed a cookie and they were so good. The next day, Lottie made cookies again and more kids came. As they ate the cookies, she began to talk to them about Jesus. They sat and listened while they ate the cookies. Soon the name Foreign Devil was dropped with a new nickname, Cookie Lady. And soon the mothers of the children began to ask Lottie to visit them. She would go to their home for tea and then tell them about Jesus. In just two months, Lottie visited 80 homes. After a while, the women would have friends in their homes, ready to hear what Lottie had to say. And when she would arrive, the house would be packed with women, waiting to hear from Lottie. Many women came to Christ, and the women began to tell their husbands about the messages they were hearing. The men wanted to hear the messages as well. And now Lottie had a problem, because she was only allowed to teach women. The men would stand outside the windows of the homes so that they could hear the message. Lottie was criticized for not allowing men into the home to hear the message, but she was also criticized for teaching the men who were standing outside the window listening to the message. The Southern Baptist Convention told her they were not happy at the reports that she was teaching men. She was only allowed to serve as a missionary under the convention, but only for teaching women. Lottie responded, If the men would come as missionaries, then she wouldn't have to do their job. One day, Lottie met a man named Lee Quinn. He heard her speaking, and he wanted to know more. Lottie gave him a New Testament. The man took it home to his family. Lee Quinn was an older man, and his sons were very angry when they found the New Testament. They took him, and they beat him, and they shoved him into a cold pantry where they kept their vegetables. Lee Quinn began to sing the songs he had heard Lottie sing with the children. Day after day, he was kept locked in the storage. Then one day, his sons brought a man named Li Shouting. Li Shouting was a teacher of Confucius. They told their father that Li Shouting was going to read the New Testament and show their father how stupid he was to believe such a thing. Li Shouting began to read the New Testament. And instead of laughing, he became very interested. The more he read, the more interested he became. He read and read and read. He finished the New Testament, and then he went to go see Lottie. He asked Lottie to help him understand. Lottie helped him pray, and Li Shouting became a Christian. 
Once he helped Lee Queen with his sons, he began to tell everyone else about Jesus. He studied the Bible and he became a preacher. He became one of the greatest evangelists the world has ever seen. He led thousands and thousands of people to Christ. He was one of the greatest evangelists. You can think of him as the Billy Graham of China. Lottie, Sally, and Martha began a school for girls. At that time, girls in China were not educated. Only boys were given an education. For Lottie, education had always been very important. And as one of the first women to receive a master's degree in America, she wanted the same thing for the girls of China. She started a school to help the girls and started with just five girls. But it soon grew to many, many girls. Over the years, Lottie had many arrangements with other missionaries in China, as well as with the Southern Convention. She began dressing and living like a Chinese woman. Her very short stature helped her to fit in with all of the Chinese women. Lottie wrote letters back to America, especially to a man named H.A. Tubber, who was the head of the Southern Baptist Foreign Missionary Board. She told him he could not make rules about how missionaries in China should do their work, while he was in southern America. She shared stories of her work in the field and tried to help him see that the women missionaries were doing just as important a work that the men were doing. They weren't starting churches, but they were leading many children and women to Christ. And their husbands were also interested in hearing more and that many families had come to Christ. Lottie wrote a book called The Foreign Mission Journal, And in the book, she shared a plan she had to raise money to serve missions. It would be an offering held on Christmas Day. The money would be raised by women and children in America to serve the women and children in China. Her connection back to America started a new group called the Southern Baptist Women. They began to talk about this special offering they were going to hold on Christmas. The children who wanted to help were given special bracelets called Sunbeam Bands. In 1888, the first Christmas offering raised $3,315. That was enough money to send three missionaries to China. In 1892, Lottie went back to America for a rest. And while she was there, she spoke to the missions conference about drastic changes that needed to be made. She told the convention that the missionaries were burnt out and that they needed rest. She said the mission conference needed to send missionaries home every 10 years to make sure that they could get rest. Lottie had lived through the Civil War in America. In China, she lived through the First Sino-Japanese War, the Boxer Rebellion, and the Chinese Nationalist Uprising. She saw a lot of pain in her years. She went through four civil wars, in one lifetime. Lottie was now 71 years old. The Chinese nationalist uprising was in full swing. Lottie traveled to a nearby hospital to help take care of the wounded. When it was time to travel home, the other missionaries begged her to stay. She would have to travel through a battlefield in order to go home. But Lottie refused to stay. She had work to do. Letters were sent to the generals on both sides of the battlefield, telling them a woman who taught the Bible was going to be traveling through and to make sure she had a safe trip. On the field, the guns were shooting, then suddenly quiet. 
a donkey pulling a wagon with a little four-foot, 70-year-old woman was approaching. All the guns were quiet. Not a single soldier moved as the donkey and the woman traveled across the field. Once she was safe on the other side, the fighting continued. Lottie arrived home safe and sound. The Civil War was leaving people with no food to eat. Lottie was sharing her food with everyone she could so she could help them. Because she was not eating food herself, she began to get very thin. She wrote letters back to America, begging them to please send extra money. Her weight got all the way down to just 50 pounds. When other missionaries came to see her, they were shocked to see her so frail and sick. She was put on a boat with a nurse and sent back to America. During the trip, she laid in bed and asked the nurse to sing to her. The nurse sang, Jesus loves me. While she was singing, Lottie went home to heaven. She had literally starved to death, giving her food away to help other people, all while begging the people in America to please send more money to help. She died on Christmas Eve, December 24, 1912, while docked in the harbor of Japan. An offering was held in her memory, and it was called the Lottie Moon Offering, and it's been held every year since. Even today, the Lottie Moon Offering is held on Christmas. The money goes to support missionary work. As of today, a total of $1.5 billion has been raised by the Lottie Moon Offering. The work of Lottie, Sally, and Martha changed China, but it also changed the way the church saw the work of women in missions. None of this could have happened without the efforts of the people back home raising money. And one of those people was a woman named Annie Armstrong. In our next episode, we're going to finish our series with the story of Annie Armstrong. Annie Armstrong.